This Marketplace podcast is supported by Invest Puerto Rico. Build the future in paradise. Puerto Rico, a hub for innovators brimming with world-class talent and a thriving entrepreneurial ecosystem. Learn more at investpr.org backslash marketplace today. So if all of you are ready, Charlton, let's hit it. I know, it happens just like that, I right? Know, right? I say Charlton, let's hit it. Let's go. Welcome to Make Me Smart Live in Seattle. We're on stage at Town Hall here in downtown. I'm Kai Rizdahl. And I'm Kimberly Adams. Hello, everyone. And thank you for all the folks who are joining us here for our very first live in-person episode, Seattle Makes a Noise. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Great. You guys rock. Now, now I know how Peter Sagal feels. I know, right? We got to do this for every show. I know, right? We're coming back next Friday. What are y'all it's doing? It's like my, my ego is going to here. <laughs> I told you this would be great. I know. All right. So this is our Economics on Tap show, which is our version of a happy hour Friday, which means we've got news, but we've also got drinks. And of course, later on, we're going to be joined by the one and only Drew Jostad, live in the flesh, for our round of Half Full, Half Empty. And he brought a suit for y'all and everything. I know. He put on like nice clothes. He's a radio engineer. He doesn't usually do that. Anyway, so before we dive into the news, as we usually do, we will start with drinks. Um, two signature drinks of the evening. Who's having the Kimberly Cab out there? Yeah? I would say show of hands. Cheers, what about cheers. the Kai PA, which is the Fremont Brewery Sky Kraken? Hazy? Yes, thank you. Cheers, Excellent, cheers, beer. Cheers. Excellent beer. Excellent um, beer. Tell you what, so we will get going uh, on the news, and, and I've got a couple. I think, though, we have to talk about the news of the day. <laughs> we okay. Did something happen in the last Some, 24 something hours? Something happened in the last 24 hours. What? So, so look, in, in, the, in the show rundown that we both have on, on our iPads, um, I said, of the indictment, I've got thoughts. Um, so, so here's my thought. And, and look, this is a podcast about business and politics and the culture and society and the economy that we live in. So ordinarily, criminal justice in this country is not something we would do, but this obviously is a blend of many, many things. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm also deeply interested in this just because of my personal experience. As many of you know, probably, if you're regular listeners to the podcast or to Marketplace, I'm a veteran. Spent eight years in the United States Navy. Uh, and, and, I, and I wanted to talk about this uh, for one really big reason. And, and as I think I've said on the podcast before, I, I know I have. If I had done what Donald Trump did, I would be in jail already. I was... When, when I was a lieutenant on my first shore tour in the Navy, I was in the Navy Command Center uh, in the Pentagon, uh, and for whatever reason, um, I was the action officer on a lot of the Freedom of Information Act requests that came in. And I had at the time a top secret SCI clearance, right? I was a Tomahawk plans officer. I did a bunch of stuff. But we got a, we got a Freedom of Information Act request on... Um, aircraft carriers, and I forget the details, but the upshot of the deal is that the, the duty captain in the Navy Command Center handed me this and said, you figure this out, what's classified, what's not, and then we'll send it off. And so I went through it and I, I had a look at everything. And then I came to a line 
about the it was it, it was a it was about a request for an aircraft carrier visit in a foreign port, and the classified bit of information was the required depth under the keel in port for United States Navy nuclear power aircraft carrier. And I said, well, that's dumb, <laughs> truly, because I was, I was 27 and a lieutenant and I was an aviator and I didn't know anything about nuclear power. And I said, that's dumb. And I said, no, let's release this, forget it. About four days later, the fecal matter hit the rotary device. <laughs> and, and making a long story very short, because of that security lapse on my part, an entire division in the Navy Command Center, 150 people, spent a day on a security standout, right? And they put us in the auditorium, an auditorium, there are many in the Pentagon, and we went over security procedures and requirements and responsibilities of those of us who were trusted with classified information. And again, had I done what Donald Trump did, I would be in jail. And so it's amazing to me to see now the idea that this is somehow a partisan exercise. Mm -hmm. and, and that just, I mean, it, it truly, truly bothers me. So that's item number one. My thought number two on this, and jump in whenever you like. I know I'm monologuing here, and yeah, I apologize I for that. But, but look, imagine that, and, and this is not me, this is Tom Nichols who writes for The Atlantic, former War College professor at the Naval War College in, in um, Newport, Rhode Island. Imagine if Vladimir Putin had gotten overthrown somehow in a putsch or whatever, and took with him in his trunk as he went into exile a, a trunk and a half. I mean, you've seen the pictures of the boxes in Mar-a-Lago, but let's in just the say bathroom. in the bathroom and in the shower and all kinds of stuff, right? Imagine Putin had taken boxes full of classified information with him. That would be a trove and then displayed it to, you know, all the babushkas who came by, right? He says non-pejoratively, right? Um, <laughs> That would be a trove of intelligence that American intelligence would really want to get its hands on. Mm -hmm. And I'm, I'm not able to understand how people don't see this as a legitimate strategic security threat. And that's my spiel. It just bugs the hell out of me. Well, absolutely. And when we think about the people we saw going through Mar-a-Lago. Oh, I know in the last year, year and a half. Um, I have to say, I was, I was reading the indictment before we came out here, and every line I was thinking, somebody got killed. Oh, yeah. Because of this, yeah. you know? And um, it's, pretty <laughs> it's pretty serious, and it's, I, I live in Washington, D.C. I get it. Everybody's got their narrative. Everybody's got their talking points. But it was very fascinating. I was sitting in the airport in Los Angeles when the news came out about the indictment on the way to come here. Um, some people in the airport bar were toasting with champagne. <laughs> some people were very, very quiet, right? And. The country is so divided on this that we can't even see what's in front of us. Literal photographs, extreme details, audio recordings, to the point that late uh, last night, one of Trump's lawyers was you know, on TV talking about the seven charges and you know, that it was all made up and it wasn't real, and this morning, <laughs> <Bam>. <laughs> yeah. 
even they, once they saw it, they were like, nah, man, we're good. (laughs) And I think that it's going to be very fascinating to see what lawyers he gets moving forward. He's got one that's helping him out with the New York case at the moment. But um, I really do worry about how our country is going to handle this information. Can I ask you, actually, let's break a little fourth wall here, right? You and Bridget, Bridget Bonner, who's... Oh, God, Bridget, I'm going to screw up your title. The director of podcasts? Okay, thank you. Um, And I'm going to hear about this later. Um, uh, You and Bridget were having a conversation, and Bridget basically said, what do you think it's going to take to to make people understand how grave this is or to change the dynamic, right? Was that the gist of the conversation? Yes, it was. Okay, and your response was? Well, to that one in particular, was this about the parties? Well, it was about what it's going to take, right? And, and yeah, it was the parties, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. So it, I, I, the Republican Party is irredeemable at this point in terms of its dedication to Trump. And I think that even the Republicans who remain fiscal conservatives, who remain social conservatives, who would like to have control of their party have lost their base to Trump. And so it is going to be extraordinarily challenging for them. And I say this as someone who is regularly speaking to people in the Republican Party who are disgusted by what is going on. It's going to be very hard for them to claw back control of that party to the point that I wonder if the party can survive. Right, because Trump controls something like 30 to 40 percent of the Republican base. Right, and the issue that we're having as journalists, and this is all the talk of the Washington press corps, is he's very, 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 very likely to be the Republican nominee for president of the United States, even if he's in jail. I'm serious. Uh, I'm I'm very serious. Sorry. Go for it. Here's what's going to happen, right? He will be indicted. There will be a trial. Sorry, he has been indicted, right? Mm. There will be a trial. He may or may not be convicted. But if he is, he will not be actually sent to jail, right? He'll be on some kind of home confinement, and he'll have an ankle bracelet. And he's going to go to a convention, and he's going to say, this is what they did to me. The fundraising emails, fundraising emails that were going out from Republican campaigns last night said things to the effect of, first, they're coming after him. Next, they're going after right. you. Right. That's what it said, right? And so I think that this is so precarious for us as a country. And I think this is the reason why we're not seeing the special counsel talk. This is the reason they're being so careful about jurisdiction. And, you know, they were saying today they want everyone to read it. It's, you know, this is a little bit outside of our, our lane in terms of how deep. A little bit, but, but look, but, I'm, but I'm okay, it, but it's important. It's it, important. It so deeply matters. And I, I, see, I see people in Washington who really do care about conservative values and conservative ideals, who have strong opinions on abortion and religion and all of the other things and how we run the country and how we handle taxes that wish with all of their heart and soul that that's what Republicans were talking about. But they can't anymore because all they can talk about is Trump. And that's all that they they can't talk against him because he has such a hold on the Republican base. And that makes it really hard for us as journalists to figure out how to talk about this. Because for a long time, the Washington press corps was like, eh, we're just going to deny him oxygen. He's no longer president. He, you know, is 
saying lies all the time. We're just going to ignore it. We can't do that anymore, right? So what do we do? What's the responsible thing for us as journalists to do? And we're still figuring it out. Boy, that's a whole other podcast. Yeah, no, actually... I'm sorry. Well, no, no, look, I mean, rabbit uh, hole. <laughs> no, it's 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 fundamental, right? It's mm-hmm. deeply, deeply critical to who we are as a country. But we got other stuff we got to talk about. Yeah, we got other stuff right. we got to talk about. What's you your, do, your okay. yours is more fun. All right, nah, not so, fun. It's well, more I'm, I'm not. I'm not going to do the boring one. I'm not going to do the debt limit one because we're all just sick and tired of the debt limit. And and look, if you want to talk more, <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Well, just I see, know. Just wait. Soon we'll be talking about the potential government shutdown. Yeah, no, we're not. Just we're wait. not talking about any of that. I just, here's a little news you can use. Uh, I'm sure you saw the other day, a week or two ago, that Netflix is going to crack down on password sharing. So those of you out there who are uh, children of network of Netflix subscribers, you're doomed. <laughs> My kids are pissed. I will tell you, the, the three that live away from home are deeply, deeply upset. But here's the really interesting thing. So Antenna is a company that tracks these sorts of subscription and and password sharing numbers. It says that in the four days after Netflix announced that it was going to come after US-based password sharing, because it's been doing it overseas for about a year, year and a half now. In the four days after it happened, the company averaged 70 new signups a day, 100,000 on two days of those four days. So clearly the company now, Ted Sarandos, God love him, he's got to spend a bajillion dollars on content, and he sees a revenue stream. So all of you who are sharing your parents' passwords, or perhaps the other way around, mm-hmm. um, just get ready to start shelling out, I don't even know what it is, 14 something dollars a month, $8 a month, if you want the ad-supported tier. Um, that's coming to you, and Netflix can see the dollar signs on the wall. Well, and also the other streaming companies can see the dollar signs on the wall because they're watching. Nobody wanted to go first with cracking down on password sharing. Netflix took the plunge. We're going to see it with Disney Plus. We're going to see it with, what is it called now? Max. (laughs) (laughs) Right. I still haven't downloaded the new version of it. It's just like, really? (laughs) That wasn't, anyway, sorry. Chris Licht is the least of David Zaslav's problems. (laughs) But anyway. A little inside baseball. Anyway, what do you got? What's your other I one? think that uh, we are going to see that with a lot more yeah. streaming services as everybody's tightening their belt. We talked on the show the other day about the struggles in the media industry, all the layoffs, and uh, everybody's looking for where they're going to get revenue, yeah. which is why we're so grateful to all of you. Thank you yep. for keeping us on air. Appreciate it. Okay, so mine is a very interesting take on the economy, courtesy of uh, the New York Times and our wonderful guest who al- often joins you on Friday, Gina Smiley. Gina Smiley, I love Gina. Yeah. Right. So she has, uh, she along with one of her colleagues, has a story in the New York Times. <laughs> what all the single ladies and men say about the economy. <laughs> Which Think about it, think about it. Think yeah, about it. pause for dramatic effect. Okay. All the single ladies. <laughs> so basically, there's a big... Sorry, I did a little song and she laughed and so I said, okay. When was the last time you heard me sing on this podcast? Like, like never. Like two days ago. Well... <laughs> You, okay. You Whatever. sing the Ferris Bueller song like right before air every oh, well, single time. <laughs> so, okay. So, you know, all right. So I don't actually know how often that winds up on the actual podcast, but when I sit down in my shed, which is attached to my garage, and Kimberly's <laughs> in her apartment in Washington, I sit down and I, I take the mute button off and I go, for whatever stupid reason, I go, chicka chicka, chicka chicka. <laughs> 
Oh yeah. I, 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 I legit don't know why I do that, except I like how it sounds. And, but I don't think that's singing. It's not me singing all the single ladies, you know, whatever. All the single ladies. Where's my friend over there? Wonderful. All right. Anyway, sorry. Speaking of movies. What? Oh, stop. No, I have Nobody to tell you this. Okay, go ahead. When I was on the plane on the way to Los Angeles, I watched, for the first time ever, What? Top Gun. Did you really? So wait, so, all right, wait, wait, no, 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 wait, wait, because this is, I'm about to make a very important clarification. Top Gun, the original? The original. Or, okay, all right, the good. The original. Good, good. Yes. Have, I, have I given you my spiel on Top Gun, the no, original, and why I won't see part right two? Now. Okay. So I will not go see Top Gun part two, what's it, like Maverick, is that what it's called, right? Okay, I will not go see it, because in 1986, when Top Gun came out, I was in flight school in Pensacola, and I went to go see the original in my whites in a theater in Pensacola. And look, let's not put this in the actual podcast that airs, but, <laughs> but, but it was, there, I, was, it was, I was not suffering for a lack of attention, shall we say. <laughs> Anyway, yes on the original, boo on Maverick. All right. But you know what this means, right? I know what this means. Now I owe you one, and I can't even remember the name of the Thank movie you. I'm supposed to see. Never Ending Story. Yes, you have to watch Never Ending Story. It's only fair. It is, it is only fair. It is only there fair. was a right. lot of testosterone anyway. in that movie. So, sorry, so, okay, so wait, so wait, 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 and then, and then we'll get back on track. Sorry, it's a, is it a Christmas movie? No. Oh, all right. I thought that was my out. I thought I could wait till Christmas and you would forget. No. Sorry. That's right. like, what's that movie that everybody says is a Christmas movie? No, not Die, Die Hard. Hard. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. Yeah, that's that, that's the one I was thinking fight, of. That's fight the one me on I was that thinking one. of. I, fight I, I me was. on that one. Okay. Die Hard is a Christmas movie. So anyway, I was talking about <laughs> jewelry, right? Jewelry. Signet Jewelers had news this week that they are not doing so great selling engagement rings. Why is this? Because apparently, <laughs> let me just read it. Singles who were stuck at home during lockdowns failed to meet their would-be fiancés in 2020. That's true. Therefore, I guess it takes three years time, right? to get somebody to put a ring on it. And therefore, now they're struggling to sell engagement rings plus inflation. So... I thought that was very interesting because there's so many different ways that you can look at the economy, right? And so yeah, many totally. different little nuances. I never thought to look at engagement rings as an economic indicator, but sure. God bless Junus Milak. God bless Junus Milak. Anyway. I know, right. Okay, that's it for our news fix. I know that was a little extended. We are going to take a quick break, and then when we come back, you're finally going to meet Drew Jostad, who's going to join us live, live on, stage. on stage for Half Full, Half Empty. This is Make Me Smart live from Town Hall on the stage in Seattle, Washington. 
Thank you so much for being with us for a special live episode. Yes. All right. So I know you all have been waiting for this. Who is ready to play a round of Half Full, Half Empty? Me. All right. So that means we bring out the host of our show, Drew Jostad. Come Drew. on down. So does, what you need to know about like Drew, he he would? what you need to know about <laughs> Drew is this is probably like top two in his like worst nightmares, right? <laughs> Close? Top one? Yeah, yeah no, it's, 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 it's up there. It's up there. I, I should I, say, he's been on stage before. He's a musician. He yeah. performs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's been a while since college, but. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Sorry. Look, they love you, man. They love you. <laughs> All right, are we ready to play? Music means we are. Okay, so the game is called Half Full, Half Empty. Drew is gonna run through some topics and we are gonna tell you how we're feeling about them, positively, negatively. We don't mind a little audience participation, but at the end, we're really gonna need you to weigh in in a big way. So, Drew, take it away. First topic, with lawsuits against Binance on Monday and Coinbase on Tuesday, are you half full or half empty on the SEC crypto crackdown? Okay, I am half full on it continuing, but also half full on the looming fight over who gets to crap down. Yeah. Crack so, down. So actually... <laughs> It's the wine that, on crypto. No, well, that, I mean, give us the dorky regulatory explainer, right? Okay. Because th that, briefly, briefly, briefly. There are many different government agencies. Several of them want a piece of crypto. And where in the regulatory framework it falls, it has to do with whether it's a commodity or if it's a security. A security. Right. And securities and exchange commission, which means they would be considering them securities versus the Commodities Futures Trading Commission, right. which would mean it would be a commodity, and nobody really knows. Plus, Congress is trying to do what it's going to do while trying to still figure it out. So everybody is worried about it. Everybody's cracking down on it. Meanwhile, what was it? Binance lost like $4 billion yep. <laughs> yep. in uh, outflows over the last couple of days. Right. So half empty on crypto in the future, even though I know you think it's the future. And half full on the crackdown. Yeah, to totally agree, right? The other part of this is Coinbase, which is a publicly traded company, right? And which is a legit business, which is also being sued. So the, the SEC or whoever winds up regulating this thing is gonna have to figure out which are at real actual companies and which are like, oh, I don't know, like FTX, <laughs> kind of a shell game, right? So it's a really challenging thing to figure out with a whole new kind of what will eventually be real money. But I'm half full on, on the SEC looking closer, for sure. Okay. Next topic, half full or half empty on the series finale of Succession. What? Oh. Why, why is that funny? I think it's because of the face I just made. Oh, what did you, <laughs> what did you do? I've, I've never watched it. No, my God. <laughs> okay, all right. So, so I'll take this one, but honestly, just watch like two episodes. Like on the plane home, download it. I'll give you my HBO Max. Succession. I'll, I'll give you my Max password. I have no. I I have Max. Thank you very much. Well, once I download the new app. But anyway, I 
look, we live this stuff every day and we cover it every day. I want to watch anime when I get home. Uh. <laughs> All right. Here's, I want to be entertained. Here's, here, here, here's, here's why I want you to watch it. Okay. <laughs> Excuse me, and this is in all seriousness. If you watch Never Ending Story. Fine, yes. Okay. But, but look, I, I want you to watch it for the writing and the craft. I hear the music is good, too. Music's amazing. Yeah. Charlton, do you have that back there? If you were on the ball, pal, you have <laughs> um, I love Charlton Thorpe. Come on. Charlton Thorpe. Um, Seriously, for the, for, the, for the acting and for the writing and for the craft. Okay. You, ju- you just should. Jim, um, have you watched it? So, one season. Which one? The first season. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> look, there are people who jump in in season three. Uh, so would you, uh, you stopped, I guess. I stopped. Not a big TV guy. All right. Okay. Uh, okay. So can't, I guess my vote's them. the only one that counts here, except for all y'all. So, so by sound of applause, who really liked the Succession series finale? Okay, you, sir, who raised your hand, were doing radio. Raising hands doesn't count. Uh, and who did not like it? Okay, all right. So those of you who like it wins. Look, I... I wait, what? All right, anyway. Uh, I really liked it. I thought it was great. I thought it was great that all... Uh, well, I'm not going to tell you now. Well, whatever. No spoilers. I liked it. I thought it was amazing. I thought it was really well done. I thought four seasons and we're out. Boom, done. It was great. Half full. Maybe I'm just like traumatized from the end of Game of Thrones, and I don't want to invest. Oh no, in a, that was so terrible! A, I don't want to invest that was in so something terrible. again. Yeah, no. All right, what's no. the next one? And it was so much work to get to the Game of Thrones I finale. Know. I know. All right. Anyway, sorry. We're you, like over time here. Bridget's going. What are you doing? You tried to get out of this one, but are you half full or half empty on the debt ceiling deal? Oh fuck me! Seriously? <sighs> so I don't know if that's going to come on the microphone, but I actually said it Um Oh my God. So, yay, there was a debt ceiling deal. Oh my God, the debt ceiling is the stupidest way to run the most important economy on the planet. I, I, don't, I don't understand. I, I, I don't understand. And the thing that drives me crazy uh, about the debt limit is that if you go back to 1917 and the Second Liberty Bond Act of that year, it was all about making it, e- history matters, it was all about making it easier for the government to borrow money instead of harder. And now it's become this political cudgel and kill me. <laughs> uh, I mean, half full that it's done, all the way empty on it actually meaning something. Oh yeah, for sure. <laughs> because for sure. as I did a story for your show, yeah. it's moving money around for theatrics. Right. It, Changes a few things, a few things in meaningful ways, but for the most part, it's a cop out. Right. And what we're doing is we're setting up the federal agencies for some really tough decisions that they shouldn't be saddled with in this way. And I don't know if it's actually, it, it might help us avoid a government shutdown, showdown uh, in the fall, but maybe not. Um, as you said, this is a shitty way to run a government. <laughs> I added extra Ooh. layers to it. I'm sorry. You had to put the E on this, Bridget. Sorry. Bridget, Bridget's, Bridget's going to yell at you. I know. I'll take it. <laughs> Next. Half full or half empty on the rise of TikTok dupes. 
Oh, so this is a story I did the other, it's an interview I did the other day about this thing that I knew nothing about, which is this thing that's a trend on TikTok where you see something you like, um, but you want a cheaper version of it, so you go in search of it, and it gets wrapped up in influencers and rabbit holes of chasing things on TikTok and internet mysteries. And I, I guess I'm, I'm half full on, on people wanting to get cheaper versions of things they like, but still, here we are all these years later, the influencer economy just baffles me, <laughs> just baffles me. I'm gonna go half empty only because I do think a lot of these luxury goods are vastly overpriced, oh, sure. but I'm never going to think that when I buy a $20 purse that someone's making a livable wage. So, mm -hmm. half empty. For sure. <laughs> For sure. <laughs> this week, the PGA Tour announced... Ooh. Ooh. People wow. have feelings. You guys have some feels. <laughs> Big feelings. I think we do the poll on Big this one, yeah, too. Yeah, let's do the crowd. poll on this one. All right, golf go crowd. It. All right, so we're going to do the poll on this one since you all have big feelings, although I guess we already know the answer. Um, so we're going to do it by a round of applause once Drew actually gets to read it. <laughs> we're going to ask you who's half full and who's half empty, and by the sound of your applause, you can let us know. All right, Drew, what's the topic? Well, I, I guess I'm going to say, are you half full or half empty on the possible merger? between the PGA Tour and Live Golf, right. or partnership, or whatever they want wait, to wait, call wait. it. We need a clarification here on whether or not it's going to happen, well, or whether or not it's a good thing. How about just the proposed idea? Let's not complicate yeah. it. Proposed right. idea. Whether, right. Yeah, whether or not it's a good so, thing is probably all, more broad. All, all in favor of PGA and Live getting together, clap your hands wildly. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> and thus, all opposed. Amazing what happens when you murder journalists and oppress women. People oh don't goodness. seem to like you very much. Stunning. Stunning. I think, I, I think the yes to all of that, I think the other part of this is the sheer hypocrisy of Jay Monahan, the, the commissioner mm. of the PGA, who goes, right. right. Um, <laughs> just disgraceful. So half empty. I think we're kind of over our time. <laughs> we're, we're, we're fine. We're, it's our yeah, show. We're we're getting, we're Let's do another close. open poll. Go for it. Uh, well, I got two more. What, should yeah, I why do not? Both of them? So right. We're fine. It's we're a fine. game. We're having fun. We're five minutes over, and we started late anyway. Yeah, that's it. Half full or half empty on the mermaid economy? <laughs> oh. So while you all think about your answers, <laughs> I will say this has been one of the more interesting stories that I've done for Marketplace because uh, when they announced that The Little Mermaid was going to be remade into a live action show, I had already at that point achieved my mermaid certification. <laughs> Which is a real thing you can get because my niece, who was like, 10 or, like 11 or 12 at the time, wanted to be a mermaid in the pool, and because I'm paranoid, I wanted to make sure I could m 
like do the mermaid thing safely. So I went and I got myself a mermaid certification, got the card, took the class. It's really hard. You have to like swim underwater for 80 feet with your legs strapped together in a monofin and hold your breath and try to look cute. It's, it's a lot. Um, and of course, by the time I finished it, she was so over it because now she's 13 and doesn't count anything. <laughs> That's the best part right there. Too cool for anything now. But there is this huge industry around mermaids that I had no idea about. You have years-long waiting lists for $5,000 mermaid tales. Say that again. That was the thing that blew. So Kimberly did a story for us, and she did two stories for morning. These fins cost $5,000. The lower priced ones. So that you can get like ones for 99 bucks on like Amazon, but like if you get the silicone ones that are like custom made, they range from like $5,000 to $20,000. And there are years long waiting lists for these. So some people buy expensive purses, some people buy silicone mermaid tails and play in the water. And it's a growing industry, and they are, there was a Netflix, um, you know, docu-series about it, and I got to talk to all of these mer people for the story, and, you know, people are living out, like, their childhood dreams, and it makes them really happy, and there's a lot of, like, body positivity movement layered on to it, and ocean conservation, and people are like, yeah, you know, it's grim out here, I just want to play around on the water with my friends. So you're a half full, I'm a half full, because Kimberly's I'm half full, and there we go. half full. Okay, wait, wait. Yeah. Well, we ruined it now. Okay, so what? who's half we're, full wait, on we're, the mermaid industry? Sorry, were we supposed to poll on that one? Sorry, my bad, my bad. If you're half empty, you don't like fun. So we're moving on to the next one. Right. You're a hater. Don't be a hater. <laughs> All right, last one. I don't want to start a food fight with any of our wonderful hosts here in the Emerald City. But are you half full or half empty on having a hot dog with cream cheese and grilled onions? Oh my god. Also known as... Seriously? That's not actually a thing, right? So let's pull. Let's pull. Okay. Who's half full on the Seattle-style hot dog? Wow. I I would just like to note that Karen Mathis... Says no, she's not. She's not clapping. <laughs> oh, no. You think I haven't been watching you this whole time? <laughs> Who's half empty, Karen? <laughs> <laughs> so wait. So, so for reals, it's a hot dog in a bun with cream cheese and what, relish? Uh, caramelized onion seems to be the most popular, but you can put anything you want on it. It's America, pal. You can do it's whatever you want. It's cream cheese that makes it Seattle Cream cheese is, seems to be the most important thing, yeah. And like a white hot dog bun it was originally sort of a bagel-ish dough. I read the whole article. <laughs> <laughs> Seattle um, Times. I, I'm, I, I, I'm, I'm a pass. I'm, em- I'm half empty. You know me. I know, I know. Now you hate me. Now you hate me. Look, my cop-out is that I don't do, do any kind of cheese, so it's not my oh. fault. It's not Seattle. It's cheese. Boo. So, mm. half empty. <laughs> so, um, right. I'll be the half full one up here. There you go. You. Yeah. All, right. All right. We're done. Is that it? This is why everybody loves Drew. Is that it? Yeah. Yes, that's it. All, All right. right. Ladies and gentlemen, Drew Jostad, <laughs> live and in the flesh. Amazing job.
Well, I hope poor, everybody poor enjoyed the game. Poor Drew. I know, bless his heart. (laughs) All right, so for those listening to the podcast, that is it for us tonight. We appreciate you joining us for Make Me Smart Live in Seattle. One more time. Go figure. Yeah. This has been so much fun, and as always, we love to hear from you because we cannot do the show without you. So you can send us your thoughts, comments, suggestions, ways of eating hot dogs. <laughs> I don't get <laughs> to it. To make me smart at marketplace.org or leave us a voicemail at anybody. Yes. 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 Five oh eight. You be smart. Thank Done. you, everyone. <laughs> Best fan ever, right over there. Oh my goodness. We still got to do the credits. Make Me Smart is produced by Courtney Bergseeker. Today's episode was engineered by Charlton Thorpe in the back of the room there. Drew Jostad wrote the theme music to our game, Half Full, Half Empty. The team behind our Friday game is Emily McCune and Antoinette Brock. Marissa Cabrera, who's wandering around, is our senior producer. Bridget Bodner, also here, is the director of podcast and joined by Francesca Levy, who is our executive director of digital and on-demand, sure, and Marketplace's vice president and general manager, who y'all saw earlier, Neil Scarborough. And a special thanks tonight to KUOW's events team. And thank you so much to Town Hall in Seattle for hosting us here tonight. We appreciate it.